it was all a strategy. What to wear, what handbags, what shoes, change your hair color. When you want fame, you listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm an expert in this field. Anybody wants to be famous, they have to sacrifice a relationship in order to get to their goal. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Najahi Events and our awesome new sponsor, The Megaverse. More about them later. Today's guest on the podcast is Shiraz Hassan. And boy, oh boy, has he got a story to share with us today. He's an entrepreneur, social media expert, and internationally acclaimed real-time amplification and media strategist. He's the founder and global CEO of Fame. In 2005, Shiraz launched a celebrity and entertainment news website, Hollywood.tv. Within a year, this became a top-rated celebrity news outlet, and its content has been seen by over 2 billion viewers worldwide, supplying daily content to CBS, CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, The Insider, Sky, BBC, RTL, AP, Reuters, TV Guide, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, literally, it's everywhere. His media campaigns over the last 15 years have brought over $3 billion worth of earned media to stars like Kim Kardashian, Paris Hilton, Priyanka Chopra, Zendaya, Logan Paul, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber, and even for brands like P&G, AB InBev, Johnson & Johnson, and many, many more. He's a keynote public speaker and also a consultant for various brands from startups to global brands. This interview is epic. If you want significance, if you want to get yourself out there and be known by the world, which I know so many of you do, then you must watch this episode. Cue the music. Megaverse, the digital frontier of tomorrow. Megaverse stands at the cutting edge intersection of technology and imagination. It's a virtual realm where the limitless expanse of the digital universe unfolds, offering users unparalleled experiences and interactions. With its advanced Metaverse platform, users can craft unique avatars, forge connections, and even establish their own digital estates. It's more than just virtual reality. Megaverse is an expansive digital civilization teeming with opportunities for both individuals and brands. From immersive concerts to revolutionary retail experiences, Megaverse is redefining the way we engage with the digital world. As we stand on the brink of a new era where the lines between our physical reality and the digital realm blur, Megaverse is poised to lead the charge in this brave new world. Dive in and discover a universe without bounds. This really is the future. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. Shiraz is in the house. Thank you so much for coming to join us today, oh, Shiraz. Oh, lovely to be here. We met recently and something relating to business, which we'll come on to a little bit later and talk about that. But I want to be famous, Shiraz. I want to be famous. What am I going to do? Fame famous? is a journey, brother. <laughs> fame is a journey. It's a long story. A lot of people want fame, but are you willing to pay the price? That's a great question. Now, when we talk about fame, you know, because when I was young, there was three, then four TV stations. 
fame kind of had a different meaning to me. Yeah. I, I think and famous people were different types of people back then. You know, I think about maybe Elvis Presley and the Beatles, and I think about you know the uh, the, the Rock Hudson movie star types. Those were famous people. They were famous because they were not accessible. Okay, when you are back in the day, okay, and I was there. You're watching those TV shows. You're watching those movies. You're watching those rock stars, and you're reading tabloids. There was no other way to measure fame, right? So there was no social media. There was no other technology that we had back in the day. So that's why you would say Michael Jackson, you know, Madonna, you know, Elvis, right? Big, big names, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're if you go even more back in the day, you're watching the TV soaps. You know, your EastEnders, your Coronation Street, they were celebrities, and you would go to your local Tesco's or Sainsbury's, and you would just see the headline. And you're like, grab to that headline, because you don't see them. You wouldn't see them anywhere. Like, today's generation, we're live. So you're seeing celebrities, you know, taking selfies, going live, you know. You know we, we get an overload of content, which back in the day, that was like real fame because you couldn't get it anywhere else, you know? And was, was, was fame a byproduct of success within the media or the music industry back in the olden days? And now alter the, the flip is like fame is the, is the product as opposed to I can I can tell you one thing is, why do people move to Hollywood? It's, not, it's a Hollywood sign, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be a movie star? You want to be a music star, you want to be a model, whatever. It's just, a, it's just letters on a mountain that says Hollywood. I'm from L.A., okay? So I'll tell you the story I got there, but why do you want to move there? Because you want to be famous, period. Don't talk about art to me. Don't talk about, oh, I want to be a th in theater. And you start giving me all, oh, trust me, I've been in this game for 20 years, okay? And the bottom line is, the end result is I want significance. I want importance, which is a human emotion. It's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? But that's what I want. I want that attention. I want that fame. I want that people recognizing me and appreciating me, right? Whereas just doing a movie, there are a lot of movies out there and a lot of theater, lots of plays. No one even knows them. Mm -hmm. Believe me, they didn't sign up for that. They wanted that movie to be a hit. They wanted that Broadway show to be a hit. They wanted that song to go global, right? So the, that's what's really inspired me by my business because it was, what do you want? And I've spoke to thousands of people from around the world, different nationalities, different ages, celebrities, non-celebrities, CEOs, businesses. They wanted fame. And that's, it's a human emotion. And it's so powerful that I call fame a drug. And because that drug is more addictive than cocaine and heroin combined, you will do whatever it takes once you're addicted to that drug of fame. Mm -hmm. And today's generation, especially with beings with social media, where mental health and all the issues come up, it's because of the human emotion that I want to become famous. And that thing puts you in very dark places. You know, because you don't care. 
when you think about it, going back to kind of like at school, you talk about insignificance. That, that, there's three things I think everybody wants. And if you were selling these three things, you should do well in life. Number mm. one is people want to lose 20 kilos in the next four weeks. So if you and I had a tablet to help people mm. do that, we'd make Which is instant gratification. Yeah. I want to lose it and I don't want to work for it. Yeah. Uh, I want to get rich quick, yeah. okay? I want to be a millionaire overnight, yeah. that kind of stuff. We had uh, the solution to that, <laughs> of then course. everyone would buy it, yeah? yeah? And then the other thing is, and, and it can be described in different ways, but it's, I want a million followers. Yeah, It's, it's significance, I want to be significant. Yeah. So does that come from, it must come from something that happened or experiences that you went through when you were very young mm. at school, you know? The, you know, the, the, the guy that was the, uh, the, the captain of the rugby team and the football team and whatnot, and, and the prettiest girls in the school, maybe they had that significance, and maybe everybody else was craving for a bit of that attention themselves. Yeah. I, I, is that where you think it starts for people? You know, you've worked with so many people now. It, it's, it's keeping up with the Joneses. What does that mean? Yeah. He's got a nice car. He's got a nice house. Why can't I have that? So it's the comparison, right? And then you're looking at people's lives that people are saying, oh my God, I want to live that lifestyle. Oh, look at Victoria Beckham and David Beckham. And you know what I mean? It's like today it's, you know, whatever the disaster of Meghan Markle and, and, and Harry, right? It's like people look at that and they want that life, right? So it's not a bad thing, right? They just, they just, they think that's a better life, right? And it starts from the media because the media pumps up these celebrities, they put them on magazine covers, they're on billboards, they're everywhere you look, a celebrity's there. And as a child, you kind of have that little dream, I wish I could do that. Just, it's just a little dream, uh-huh. you know? And, and you know, when you hear stories that this person was nobody and now today they've won an Oscar, or if this person was, you know, washing dishes and today they're making millions of dollars on Instagram or TikTok or so forth. These are real stories. Mm -hmm. And when people are following their journey, it means it's attainable. Mm. And if it's attainable, then I'm going to try it. But not knowing how deep the ocean is and not knowing what I have to go through. You know, everybody comes to me for fame. But my first, and some people don't like it that I say it, but I, I give them the warning signs. Are you ready to go through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? If you are, let's go. But don't say afterwards, oh my God, I did not this, I didn't expect this to happen because I've seen it, you know, with the likes of Kim Kardashian, Zendaya, Logan Paul, Jennifer Lopez, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Nohan. I've worked with so many stars and it's a pattern. It's a formula, you know. You've made you've made lots of people famous working in the industry, but I think we need to kind of like roll back and try and understand who you were as a person yeah. and how the heck you ended up in that space anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit, uh, so people can understand who you are, a little bit about your background, yeah. where you were from, what kind of yeah. beginnings you had, yeah. and then how that then evolved into what yeah. you do now. So I was born in London, you know, if, uh, I had one elder brother. Uh, Mum and dad were running a restaurant in the UK, uh, in London, in Holborn right near King's Cross. Mm-hmm. And I was studying at the time, uh, doing my, starting my GCSEs at the time. And uh, my father was, he was an accountant, then turned businessman. And he was running this restaurant. He had a lighting business before and, and small other businesses. And then he uh, opened a cafe that opened like five in the morning till like three in the afternoon. Right, the builders, the cabbies, you know, the, the best, office workers. The best places to eat. Right, yeah, yeah, the in the mornings, yeah. right? So he had that business. And um, at 16, my father had a heart attack and unfortunately passed away. 
and I had to leave my school, which was I couldn't continue my GCSEs, uh, and then join my mother to keep the restaurant business alive and, and you know help us so we could survive. And when uh, my mother gave me a choice and she said, do you want to continue school or should we just get rid of the business? And I said, no, let my older brother continue. He was doing accountancy. I said, let him keep doing that. I'll quit school. I'll, I'll come with you in the mornings. I'll, I'll work in the restaurant. So I quit school at 16. And then every morning I would wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning and go on the London Underground uh, from, I think it was, uh, it was in Isleworth, Hounslow, that area. Yeah. I would take the train. Piccadilly line and I'd be freezing in the morning and I'd go with my mom and she'd open up the cafe you know get everything ready by 5 a.m. and I was like god you know what, what is this you know and I would do that every day I was doing that with my mom and I, I'm very close to my mother we're like best friends you know and I said you know what I don't want you to be at home and we're missing dad and everything let's let's be you know let my, keep my mom busy and occupied so we're doing the business, but I got very frustrated. You know, a couple months in, I was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> what kind of life is this? You have, to, you have to wake up at four, get on the train, freeze your ass off, get to London, get all the griddles, the cooks, do everything. And then a bunch of people come in. I, I don't do this. And I was the dishwasher. I was the guy that would <laughs> be doing the coffees and teas and doing the dishes. And then um, I said to my mom, uh, like about six months in, I said, uh, you know, why are we closing at three in the morning? You know, why can't we open all night, you know? And my mom was like, no, this, this is enough. I said, no, I want to try it. So my brother, being an accountant, said it's going to cost you more money staying open. So this is a bad idea. Now, keep in mind, this was in uh, when 7-Eleven, the store, meant 7 a.m., close 11 p.m. That We were in that era, okay? okay. When gas stations closed at 9 p.m., Yeah. okay? And I'm saying I want to go 24-7, right? And so I started it. And I, I'll never forget my first night I opened. Uh, my shift was like from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m., uh -huh. right? And I made, I saw one Coke for 50p. No. So the whole night, I just sat there. There was just like crickets, like nothing. It was, it was dead, right? Cars driving past, nothing, no, no customers. Then I would come home, give my mom an envelope with 50p. The next day maybe a pound next day nothing so it went on for about a month and probably the maximum I ever made in a day in my shift which was 12 hours is about 10 pounds 15 pounds right this is the odd person coming in and even 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 the homeless I was giving for free at that point so <laughs> so I was losing grills are on cookers are on everything right and then um my brother said look shut it down my mom said look you've tried it's, it's not working you know people don't eat at night and I had a belief that it's going to work, right? It's got to be. There are people who got to be awake, right, and, and hungry because there's nothing open, mm -hmm. right, and we're open, right? Back then, uh, we needed to get a license to open 24 hours. And I told my brother, let's apply for this license, right? And it was so new, right, the concept of 24 hours. This is, this is going back in 1992, okay? okay? So this is, it was very new, right, the licenses. So we applied, and I said to my brother, let's just do this. Let's get the license in so we have it. No one objected because no one, everyone thought I was crazy. So when they put out letters to all the residents, oh, yeah, no problem. So we got it, right? And that was the first 24-hour license in that area, a part of London, to open. So I, and then my brother said, look, it's, 
now you know it really doesn't make economical sense just shut it down i said no the next day a taxi driver comes in into my little cafe and says can i have a tuna corn mayonnaise sandwich and a black coffee and i said okay i said sit down he said no i want to eat it in the car i said come on bro i said it's you know two in the morning i said i'm on my own you know let's make friends or whatever he said no just give me my stuff and he ran off so he ran off in his car and I'm sitting there and I'm, in, and I'm on my own and I'm looking at him through the window and he's having his tea and his sandwich. He seems to be engaged into something, right? I then knock on the window. I said, just, why did you leave me? You, you could literally sat here and you're sitting in your car or whatever, right? You're taking a break. He said, I'm listening to Caesar the Geezer. I said, who's Caesar the Geezer? He said, it's the number one uh, talk show host in England, in London. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? He said, yeah, he has, he has a million listeners right now. I said to the guy, a million people are awake and I'm open. I need to meet Caesar. Mm-hmm. So I made it my mission then, if this guy is that famous, right, Caesar, that everyone's listening to this guy, a million people at night, I'm open, right, and I'm dead and broke and I have no money, no customers, I've got to get to Caesar. So I literally kept on calling Kiss FM at the time and I was calling and calling and calling and calling and one day he answered. Caesar the Giza, Kiss FM, live in London. Who do I have on air right now? I got so nervous to be on radio, I just read my menu out. <laughs> and he said to me, stop it, stop it. He started shutting me down, right? <laughs> I said, I sell omelets, I sell burgers, I got steaks, I got teas of coffees, 24 hours a day. And he said, you're really open? I said, yeah, I'm open. So he said, okay. He said, stop promoting yourself. He said, if this is true, that you then will become the first 24-hour cafe in London. I'll be there tomorrow, 2 a.m. And he cuts me off. Just cuts me off. The next day, from midnight to two, customers started to come in from all over the place. Taxi drivers, customers, fans, office people. I was packed. The worst customer service, by the way, on earth that yeah. day. Because <laughs> I was the <laughs> only guy. I was on my own. And it was jam-packed, jam-packed. And there comes in Caesar. 16 years old, in a cafe, I see the power of the microphone. That what it is to be famous and the power of fame at 16. He walks in, I see everyone all over him. I saw the, 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 the power of his influence, let's call it on radio at the time, that was able to give me hundreds of customers coming in that during that night just to see this guy. And I, I didn't know if he was ever gonna come back. So I said, look, here's the deal. I'm broke, but I have food and you're hungry. And what happens if I feed your crew every day, five days a week while you're on radio and eat whatever you want, just please promote my restaurant. And that was back in the day where you could get away with like, you know, giving shout outs, right? <laughs> but now it's obviously it's that thing's you know, shut down right now, right? He said, okay, Shiraz, I want a laptop, a cell phone, and a fax machine and you got to feed me every day and I have 10 people in my crew do we have a deal I said yes I panicked because we I've never had a laptop <laughs> I've never had a Mo- Motorola <laughs> cell phone and I definitely didn't have a fax machine I didn't have any of those tools so I called my brother and I said listen you know you've got to help me out I've met this guy blah, blah, blah. and he said Shiraz man I mean you know <laughs> I was in that era yeah. right <laughs> we didn't have those luxuries I said listen just gamble on me 
let me get this stuff. You know, find a way, just get me this stuff and I'm going to call Caesar. So he spoke to a couple of people, whatever. I was able to get everything together, borrowed money, whatever, put on, you know, loans, whatever. We got it. I then called Caesar. He gave me his number. I said, I have what you asked for. He said, okay, I'll see you next week. He comes in next week. There's your laptop. There's your cell phone. There's your fax machine. And I'm going to feed you every day. At the time, I was making 1,000, maybe 3,000 pounds a week for seven days, 24 hours. Yeah. Okay? Um, for, that was our weekly revenue, right? For the whole week, day and night. From that moment onwards, Caesar talked about me every single day on radio. Oh, really? Every day. I would feed him every day. I went from 3,000 pounds to $50,000 a week, every week, in cash. Every week. This place became a bank. And I was young, I was 16. The three grand to 50 grand a week. Just oh. like that. Wow. Because of the power of influence, the power yeah. of fame, yeah. right? And then we built that restaurant and then it literally, my brother, he saw me make so much money at a young age. I was making what he was making in a year, in a week, right? Selling teas, coffees, burgers, and all that kind of stuff. And I would then go home in the mornings with thousands of pounds to drop to my mother that first started with 50p right so i that was my very first beginning of the power of fame what i realized the power of an influencer which was someone who was on radio mm -hmm. at the time today we have social media influencers right but to me i got exposed to that at a very young age and it turned into instant revenue, right? And not just someone having followers, someone having real influence that could convert that into someone coming into my as my customer, then becoming a repeat customer, because I'm always open. Mm -hmm. And then we built pretty much a huge brand uh, from that one business. Uh, we then renamed it Tinseltown. We took it across the UK. You know, now it's evolved into deliveries and, and that whole kind of stuff. And then I, once I'd done that, I said to my mother, I said, I've done everything for you as my, as my, as your son, you know, but I don't want to do this restaurants, you know, I want to go where influences, influences in LA, Hollywood. If that one guy had the microphone, the biggest microphone on earth is sitting in, in Hollywood, in LA. And I made the transition and said to my mother that I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to Hollywood. But before I do, I'm going to perform Hajj and Umrah being a Muslim, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I then got everyone mentally prepared that I'm going to go. Even my mom and family, I said, but I'm going to go to Umrah first. I went Umrah, I went to Hajj, prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then I came back, I said, mom, I'm going. That's it. It's done. I'm going. How, what, where? Don't ask me. God has told me I'm getting on that plane to LA. I'm doing it. So my mom then brings all my relatives around and it says the goodbyes and all that kind of stuff. By the way, I had no plan. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do, uh, but I knew from the mountain, God told me, you go. You're going to Hollywood right now. So I was probably the one weirdo there in Mecca praying, I want to go to Hollywood, I go to America. And there was one guy, actually, I'll never forget the guy. I still speak to this guy, but by the way, uh, every month I speak to him. I was praying about a dream that I want to go to Hollywood, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do media. And this religious man is sitting next to me. And my, someone nudges me and like, come on, bro. Like, you know, you're, you're in Mecca, you're, you're, you know, you're praying for this materialist. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. And this religious man looked at me and said that you can ask anything here. Ask. You don't ask human. Ask. 
don't listen to this guy. You ask. So, of course, I doubled down on my asks, right? And then I just prayed and prayed. Then I came back home, met all my relatives and everything. Three days later, 9-11 happens. Boom, there goes my damn dream. I'm like, God, everything's shut down. There's a disaster in America. And I said to my mom, I'm still going to go. I am going to go. The second they open up flights, I'm going to L.A. Because spiritually, I know, because I felt it when I was in Mecca at that time. And a few months later, boom, I get on a plane. All right, I come to L.A., stay with a relative, stay on the relative's couch, living there, not making any money. My mom's like, you know, they're all thinking I'm, you know, walking into a red carpet as soon as you land into LAX. You know, the perception of Hollywood mm -hmm. is, you know, oh, my God, you've got to Hollywood. My son's in Hollywood. You know, like she had no idea. <laughs> I was around homeless and it was a disaster, right? But you don't know, right? So I ended up watching television at my relative's house, which was Bollywood. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I felt bad because I've come all the way from London thinking I'm going to be exposed to all this content, Hollywood and everything, and now I'm watching Indian movies, right? <laughs> and uh, my uncle was like, no, I don't care about Hollywood. You must watch Bollywood. So I'm watching, 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 watching. And then finally, I, it hits me. I'm like, wow. In this TV channel, not one time have I seen a Hollywood star, a Hollywood trailer, an American music video, nothing, just Bollywood. So I called my uncle, I'll never forget. And I said, uncle. And he said, yeah, and I imagine my home at this point is, is the couch, his couch. <laughs> I said, I'm going to become Hollywood's ambassador to Bollywood. And he looks at me and says, Shiraz, people come to LA <laughs> and they say stuff like this. I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to connect the bridge between Hollywood and Bollywood. How do I get to that TV station? I need to speak to the owner. Next couple of days, I then get on the phone. I get onto that TV channel. I said, I want to set up a meeting, you know? And uh, they, they kind of blew me off on the first round, but then I got the CEO's name. So the next time I called, I said, you know, I'm here. I'm calling on behalf of so-and-so. I, I need to meet Harry Srinivas, his name was. He was the uh, head of b for You and Eros Entertainment. And I said, I want a meeting. And I'm calling from Hollywood. I want to produce a show and this kind of stuff. So the guy was the, his assistant would have set, that, set up the meeting. Boom. Called my brother. I need a ticket. I'm going to New Jersey to go meet this guy. And I said, because I didn't really take much money with me from my family. I just let my mom do her thing. He sent me a ticket. I go to New Jersey. I walked into Harry. That was his name. He was the CEO. And I said, I want, I want to become the bridge between Hollywood and Bollywood. I want to produce the biggest content, biggest stars from Hollywood. And I want to air that in Bollywood. And I want to mix it together. And I need you to give me a TV show. And the guy looks at me and he says, have you ever done this before? No. Do you have a budget? No. Do you know any celebrities? No. I said, but guess what? It's in my destiny. I will make it happen. Just give me the chance. Open that door for me. So he said, okay. I've, he said, stay one more day. The next day, a, a group of his whole team is coming in. The next day, I walk into his office. Bunch of Indian guys in corporate suits who were the heads of a company called Eros Entertainment, which was like the Warner Brothers, let's call it, of India, right? And he said, okay, do your presentation. So they, uh, the head guy says, Shiraz, can you please play your pilot to the whole team, you know, that runs the channels and everything? Listen, bro, a pilot is someone who flies a plane, right? To me, I don't know the lingo that they're telling me about TV language, all the things they were asking for, I had no idea. But I said to them, give me a chance in the boardroom 
I said, if you open this door for me, the whole board is listening to me. I said, I will make it away because I am not hungry. I'm starving and I will bring back the goods for you. So the head guy says, listen, it's his loss. If he doesn't produce it, we won't hear it. But let's give this guy a chance. I then come back to LA. I have a signed contract, guaranteed distribution to half a billion people, 130 countries. I then get back to LA. I go to a camera store. I'm looking for my production equipment and everything. One guy in the camera store, uh, his name was Christian. And he, sa he says, man, I'm a producer. I'm an independent producer. So I obviously got excited, right? Then I started working with him. I then started working with him for no money. But I, gave, I said, if I can get any deals for my show, then I'll, you know, I'll cut you in as a partner. I then go to the Hollywood sign. I keep filming. I keep filming, but there's no celebrities. Now Harry's calling me one month in. Shiraz, where's my show? Where's my show? Where's my show? And then I kept on going to the Hollywood sign, praying, you know, because I, I had a mindset back then. If I can see Hollywood, that means it's attainable. People come and look at that Hollywood sign. I said, let me go up there. I went to the damn top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. and I started praying and looking and looking. I can see it with my eyes. And I said to him, that, Look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Then on my like fifth or sixth time of going up there, this guy's walking his dog. And he said, what are you doing? I'm praying at the Hollywood sign. He said, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I live in Beechwood Canyon. He's a producer I didn't know at the time. And he said, this is kind of strange that you're up there and you're just, you're just praying. I said, look, I have this show, it's Bollywood, blah, 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 blah. So I'm telling him the whole thing, what I did. He goes, I love this. He goes, he goes, he was with his dog and he's walking. He said, let me introduce you to a friend of mine. I said, okay. So the next day I get in his car, he takes me to these big offices and he says, I'm gonna introduce you to a friend of mine because this Bollywood thing seems pretty interesting what you're doing. I walk into these big offices and I sit down, the guy shakes my hand and I started pitching him and everything and he said, you know, welcome to Creative Artist Agency. So I'm in the car and I'm going to these big offices. I had no, no idea where I was going. And I walk into these offices, huge offices in Hollywood. And he introduces me to a gentleman. His name is Roland Perkins, the founder of Creative Artist Agency, which at the time I didn't know was the biggest talent agency in the world that represented the likes of Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Anderson, the biggest stars in the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in this office at this point, and I said to the guy straight, I said, look, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you do, but I have access to half a billion people in India and around the world, and I need help. Because I've signed this contract, and I need access to celebrities, blah, blah, I went to my whole pitch with this guy. And the guy looked at me, and he looked at his friends, he goes, I like this guy. He said, let's see if we can get a piece of his show, and let's help him out. So they then, put me in touch with their law firm, which was called Ziffrin, Britton and Branken Fisher, which I had no idea who they were, bunch of names. They were the biggest law firm in the whole of Hollywood that controls Hollywood. They helped me negotiate my deal with them. I then, literally overnight, Christian, I call him, I said, we just got invited to a film premiere. They invited me here, they invited me here. Now I'm on press junkets, now I'm interviewing celebrities. Overnight it happened. So the one dream that I had overnight, because of the I connected with the owner of the talent agency, he said, we now have a new show that's called Tinseltown, and it airs to all the Indian people, a billion people in India that I was selling the reach. I had, first time ever it was done. And overnight, I became a huge hit on the red carpet because I was the first person ever to hold a microphone that represented the Eastern world on the red carpet. No one did it before. It was America, France, all the other ones, UK, right? Big markets, 
never India, never Middle East, not nowhere. So now my content, because it was being seen globally, of course the TV show was completely pumped up. Harry at that point, you thought, oh my God, this guy's bringing us gold every week, right? I then took that content, went to on other networks and other networks, and then went to Middle East and all that kind of stuff. And my first trip to Dubai was in 2004. When I came out here, there was a, a Bollywood award show. It was called the Z Cine Awards. And that was my first opening to Dubai. I'd never been here before. I'd come because of my TV show, and you know, the show was a big hit and so forth. So that kind of opened the door for me to Dubai that I saw what was going on here. Then I came back uh, to LA. Now I was that guy. I literally every press junket, every movie, every movie that was coming out, let's call Tinseltown, let's call Shiraz, because he can give us those eyeballs, that market. Built over 200 episodes of that show. Fortune magazine done a full spread on me when Google founders were on the cover before they were going public. Mm -hmm. Bill Gates and me were the three main stories on there of how did this guy open up Bollywood. And that was my first break where I found a sponsor. So at the time when I was producing my show, I was doing it on my own because they just gave me commercial time. Mm -hmm. When I got that media exposure, I then landed a huge deal sponsorship to sponsor my show, started making money, started making revenue, but I couldn't crack mainstream. I was stuck in the lane of Bollywood, India. And any time I would try and go to the mainstream market, I would get shut down as ethnic, right? So I said to my business partner, his name's called Paresh, I said to him, we gotta take this mainstream, right? So I, I'm in West Hollywood, sitting down at a coffee shop, and I said to him, Parish. How are we going to take this now? We've, we've cornered the Eastern world, right? Now we, we want Hollywood. We're here. And as I said that, Britney Spears walks in with a bunch of paparazzi chasing her into this restaurant. And then I'm looking, just looking at what's going on, completely gobsmacked at what's happening. These like hooligans just like coming in, jumping, taking pictures. Cars, by the way, just parked straight outside. They didn't give a damn about any traffic or engines on and everything. They just want to shoot Britney Spears. And then they left. And then the next day, my mother calls me and said, Mubarak Shiraz, I saw you on BBC and Sky News having coffee with Britney Spears. <laughs> I was not having coffee with Britney Spears. I was an extra. But my poor mother is thinking I'm hanging out with Britney Spears because my face is on Sky News and BBC. I said, Parrish, who are those cameras? Because whoever those cameras were, they literally just took me and my mom saw it immediately. Now that's mainstream. I need those guys. So the next week, I was looking for that same pack of where they're hanging out. And then I saw them at a Starbucks, right? And I literally went up to them on the street and I said, who do you work for? They said a startup called TMZ. TMZ had just started out back then. I said, well, you're gonna work for me. It's very simple. So I told my partner, Parrish, get your hand in your pocket, all that cash and all that money that you've been saving up for God knows what, it's time to spend. We need to control these guys. So I then locked down all of TMZ's camera guys mm -hmm. and they overnight they started working for me. And the time the company was called Hollywood TV, I then single-handedly controlled Britney Spears every move because I had those camera guys that I paid them more money than TMZ was spending, which then gave me loyalty. So now every network was coming to me for Britney Spears. This was when, 2005, 2006, 2007, when she was going nuts, mm -hmm. right? And we documented that content, filmed everything, was even in on it with Britney and her inner camp 
of every move that she was doing. She even dated one of my paparazzi guys. Okay, so it was a whole deep story of us getting all that content, right? And the news only cared about Britney, and I had over 100 guys in LA that was controlling this content. Where Britney goes, we go, okay? And then I uh, got connected to Paris Hilton, and Paris Hilton at the time was one of the biggest stars, but obviously Britney was the news story. And I'd done a deal with Paris Hilton, I said, okay, you know what, we'll put, let's put our machine and work together. Mm -hmm. I connected with her manager. Um, and Paris said, okay, I want you to help us with the strategy, with the media, placements, cameras, everything, but deal with my assistant. I said, okay, no problem. So here comes her assistant called Kim Kardashian. So we're now sitting down, the three of us, and we're planning you know, how I'm going to be the media strategist and be the media that powers Paris. And the informant is her assistant called Kim Kardashian. So then every day, Kim is messaging me, calling me, Shiraz, we get the, here's our airline. We're going to this restaurant. We're going to this nightclub. We're going to go here. And I, my job then was to move cameras based upon that agenda to make sure everyone in Hollywood and the media would know Paris Hilton's hitting the town, right? Then Paris and Kim have a big fallout. And Kim's on her own. She cut her off, right? Then Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner call me up and say that we want to work with you because they knew I was the machine behind Britney and all the celebrities, all that footage that was coming out from our agency. I then cut a deal with them and I worked with Kim from that moment, which is probably around 2007, 2006. For 10 years, I was her personal media strategist. What moves to make, what cameras are going to be there, what stories are going out. Every media miracle that you can imagine that happened during that time, I was, in, I was on the inner camp doing the strategies for Kim. And then I worked with Miley Cyrus and Bieber, Zendaya became my client, and then so many stars, right, Priyanka Chopra. Uh, then I was the, the, the media strategist behind how to get people fame. Because I was, again, remember, it comes back from Caesar. Right, my my roots were. You, you saw how Caesar worked for you, and then you're like you were just applying the same principles. Hundred percent on a much bigger scale. On a much bigger scale now, but the, my my humble beginnings I never forgot, because when I saw that guy in a taxi and I heard those people listening, and they will come, I'm like, wow, this is I've got a much bigger microphone here, and one of my prayers in pilgrimage was the microphone, was influence, was, and I had, didn't have anything. So. For, the, for, for people that are watching and listening to this right now, understanding that story, is, as a media strategist, when you take these types of people, and everyone, everyone will know Kim Kardashian, so let's just stick with her, is everything structured and staged? Because people would like to think that the, 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 the camera crew are secretly filming their, their normal lives. How much of it is literally, you know, From my experience, tailored and yeah. designed to yeah. create what it needs to create as a business. Yeah, from, from my side, when I was doing the strategy for Kim Kardashian for fame, it was all a strategy. What to wear, what handbags, what shoes, change your hair color, that's gonna make news, you're going blonde. Otherwise, you're just a brunette, it's getting boring now, gotta go blonde, we need to re reinvent, right? Think Madonna, nonstop. Kim Kardashian is like the iPhone. iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 8, that's Kim. You keep reinventing, you keep innovating. So there has to be a strategy behind there. 
and people don't understand. They think, oh, it's just, it's just happened. Absolutely not. Every move was a chess move that we were making, every move. With the networks, with the media, I was, remember a time, my first, let's call it American break, not Bollywood break, Bollywood break came from the mm -hmm. B for You, was a woman called Linda Bluebell, okay? And she was the executive producer of Entertainment Tonight. Mm -hmm. And I was supplying mm -hmm. Britney footage. So I had a deal with them, they signed a three-year deal with me, with yeah. CBS, personally, that I become their supplier of celebrity content. And she said to me that I will cancel your contract if you ever keep sending me footage of Kim Kardashian. We don't want her. And you're gonna lose that millions of dollar contract because I'm sick and tired of you, Shiraz. Every time you ask for Britney, you keep slimming, slipping in Kim. Because I done a deal with Kim mm -hmm. and the mother that I'm gonna do it. And it got to a point that I almost lost my contract with Entertainment Tonight and the insider because she said to me if I ever see it again you're bad mm -hmm. you're blacklisted mm -hmm. I said okay Linda then you don't get Britney you want Britney Spears you're Aaron Kim Kardashian this girl's my client you're gonna push her are you telling me you will not give us Britney Spears footage unless we air this girl who's a bloody nobody that's right well guess what mm -hmm. she said yes that's how that happened so I then leveraged my Britney Spears craziness and I force-fed Kardashians down everyone's throat. Do, 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 do people like the Kardashians say, I want to be famous because there's a strategic business reason behind this because we want to make a lot of money? No. Or, or, or do they want to be famous for, is there another reason that's, that's driving it? Well, Kard, uh, Kim, let's talk about Kim specifically. Her motivation was fame. Not I money. Want to, no, I want to become famous. She was around money. Because oh, the dad was... Um, dad yeah, they had money. Uh, yeah, dad so, you know, it's not, okay, listen, they weren't, they weren't loaded, loaded, but they, were, they, weren't, they, poor, were, yeah. they weren't poor, right? But she wanted fame. Why did she want fame? Because she saw the world through Paris Hilton. Mm -hmm. And Paris Hilton at the time was the, one of the most famous people in the world. And her assistant is just looking at this craziness. And from a very young age, all her drive was to become famous. My first ever interaction with Kim Kardashian is Shiraz, make me the most famous person in the world. I want to be famous. Make me famous. That's what I want. And the clients that you've got and you people you've worked with, is that the driver? Logan Paul, Zendaya, all these different, you know, huge brand names that we all know and recognize. And they came to me, by the way, like Zendaya. She was like 14, 15 years old. I trained her. I coached Zendaya. I'd done her first coaching. I brought her to the Middle East and broke all barriers with Disney. Disney fought me from bringing her to Dubai. You have no idea what I went through to get her into Dubai. They did not want any Disney star who was on their TV shows at the time to do any international activations without the approval of Disney. And Disney wasn't gonna do it. We're talking about individuals that wanted to become famous. It makes me feel like Dubai wanted to become famous. Well, Dubai has done a very smart job because if you look at what they've done, how they've built their brand, it's, you know, there's not many places in the world, around the world, that has pretty much everything in one city, and that's safe, right? And that's open, right? Yes, there are rules, but I can tell you right now, being a resident in Dubai with a golden visa, which I was gifted by the government, that 
my home is in LA, my hella, my home is also in Dubai. And I choose Dubai all day over LA right now because we are going through a war zone in LA where because there's no strict rules, people are looting, people are robbing, people are on drugs. It's, it's horrific what's happening. So the way Dubai branded themselves that people feel safe here, right? There are some rules, there are some regulations. And celebrities, you see them coming here nonstop, stars and everything, because they see safety, they see opportunity, they see money, they see other things that maybe you might not get in the States, you know? So as I've worked with all of these celebrities, because my first trip to Dubai was 2004, I would keep coming over the years, and I'd built my relationships with the local people here in, in the region, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And then I started bringing celebrities out here. You know, I brought Kim Kardashian here. I filmed her whole show here. Kardashians, I'd done a whole episode of her show when she came to Dubai. You know, I've done JLo in Qatar. I've done Zendaya. I've done Justin Bieber. You know, I've done a lot of celebrities that I brought in and out of the region, as well as Bollywood stars also wanted to come to LA, right? I helped Ashwarya Rai. Mm -hmm. You know, I helped Priyanka Chopra in the beginning when she came to LA. So they all want that fame first because fame is the emotion money will follow what does what kind of person does it make that person though what kind of, you know, you're working with these people so yeah. you know they want this fame so badly but what kind of what kind of characters are they because so you this? have to are they nice people they're all nice but i don't hold judgment but if you want fame i will tell you right now whoever's listening and your lovely people that are watching you today who trust you okay when you have a heart problem, you go to a surgeon. When you have a toothache, you go to a dentist. When you want fame, you listen to what I'm about to tell you. Why? Because I'm an expert in this field. If anybody wants to be famous, they have to sacrifice a relationship in order to get to their goal. You will always be number two. If they ever tell you, oh, I love you, I'll do anything for you. You always are first. I will never do this. You're everything for me. But when that one phone call for fame comes, your ass is getting dropped. Your heart will be broken. You will be lied to. You'll be cheated to because it's a drug more addictive than heroin and cocaine. Anyone who wants to be famous has to put their personal life second in order to get get their satisfaction i don't judge it but if you want it husband has to become number two boyfriend needs to become an instagram boyfriend okay forget getting into a relationship because that person's emotion is too heavily invested in to the to the drug of fame so everything else can be a casualty absolutely that you, without you, question you just have to look so you're saying that heroin and cocaine is more important than love? Fame is more important than love. Forget that drug. Fame will override any relationship. And if anyone tells you the amount of people, I will tell you a story here in Dubai, okay, from a Russian, very, very rich Russian guy, offered me millions of dollars recently. And he said to me, and this guy is into various businesses, he said, satisfy my wife she wants to be famous like kim kardashian i said okay 
He said, this is my gift to her. So what do you want? I'll pay you. Just make her happy. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let's have a meeting. It's the first thing I said to them. I said, will you give your woman wings to fly, sir? I said, of course I would. They started making out in front of me. Oh, love, I love you. No. It was gross. It was, it, was gr it was gross, by the way. I'm talking fresh, French kisses and everything. I'm like, okay. So, so they're, they're, all, they're all pumped up, right? And I said, okay. So you're going to support your woman? Yes. I said, okay. I said, um, and I said, what about you? I said, if everything goes well and you're going to do this, are you going to support your man? Of course, of course. I said, okay. This is what we have to do right now in order for her to become famous. Okay, there's certain things, and I'm not saying even bad things, but these are things are going to have to happen in order for her to become famous. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The guy's getting blue in the face right now. I said, I thought you were going to give her wings to fly, my friend. I looked him direct in the eye, and I said, if this is the path that she's going to take, these are the decisions she has to make, these are the sacrifices she has to make. She ain't going to be around anymore like you want to be her around. There are going to be other dudes in the picture, other women in the picture. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go on, right, in this path to fame. Can you handle this right now? I said, anybody else would take your money. I said, I won't because i got my heart broken over fame. So I have, I have a conscience. I don't just take people's money. I give them every warning before you jump into that ocean. And he looks at his woman and he said, do you, are you going to do stuff like that? Honey, are you going to do everything that he's saying? And she looks at Derek to me and I said, of course I'm going to. The guy looks at me and says, what? I said, I told you. I said, she's willing to go there. Are you willing to support it? And it's not bad. What, what, it's, what we're saying here is not bad. We're not, I'm not saying sleep with anyone, screw anyone. No, these are just things that have to be done, right? She ain't your hot chick sitting home right now with the Bentley and the Ferrari and the Lambo and the Bugatti. Now she's out. Now she's on the scene. Now she has to network. Now she has to party. There's certain things that have to happen if you want to become famous. Mm. Can you handle it? And he looked at me and said, I can't do this. A week later, she dumped him. Six year relationship. And she calls me up and she said, I want to hire you personally. Because she said that dude was holding me back and I thought he was giving me everything with material but inside that material was controlling my dream so I tell people very straight it's a path that you have to have a very strong partner if it's a male or a female it doesn't matter the gender if you are in a relationship step one communicate it from day one what you want just put your cards on the table. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to end up lying. Mm -hmm. You're going to end up hiding. You're going to say stuff that, that he might be or she might be upset about. Put your cards on the table. This is what I want. This is my dream. And can you support this? Because men hide it very well. And they hide it with nice watches, mm -hmm. with nice cars, mm -hmm. with nice houses. Mm -hmm. Yet they are pussycats when it comes to their women to enter the game of fame. Interesting. Now, a couple of things around that. You, you got your heart broken. Yes. Fame. Tell me what happened there. So I was the first, I would say, the first time in my life that I would really say I was in love. Okay. Um, married. And I thought that I didn't need anything else. 
because I loved that person so much that it didn't matter. You want to jump, Shiraz, you go to Mount Everest, I'm going. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me. You know yeah. what I mean? And at the time, you know, this is another problem in my life is because I my business is fame. So even if you say you don't want fame, you're more than likely someone's going to want to be famous if they're around me, right? Uh, and we both fell in love. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Travel the world. Whatever. Then she wanted to become famous. And then she started becoming famous. And then she started wanting more and more and more and more. And when I saw, because I'm so used to making people famous, I, and I don't have an emotional attachment, I couldn't give a damn about Kim Kardashian. You can pay me $100 million. I'll never date her. Right? I know the game of fame. I make them famous. I'm not in there with them in relationships. But for the first time now, I'm seeing what it's like being with someone in a relationship. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, wow, this is, this is weird. How's my relationship gone from just peaceful, peaceful, and now chasing, chasing. I'm giving a piece of the drug, giving it, giving it, giving it, giving, giving it. And I, I went through horrific heartbreak because I saw how fame comes before love. And when it happened to me personally in my life, that's when it gave me the biggest shock and it happened through, through COVID when I was at home on a lockdown. And I, and I saw, and I don't wish bad, I don't think it was bad whatever she did, but it wasn't for me, right? So if someone wishes to do that path and do make certain decisions and, and just not being honest, right? You know, just, just that's, that's why I said, put your cards on the table. Tell me what the game is. Don't try and play the game with me, right? And when someone isn't honest, right, and they don't tell you everything and you start hearing about it, that, that then started to get to the points of where the heart started to get broken and that's what pivoted me then during COVID. I got divorced. Everything was fine in the end. We became friends even, right? Is I said, I need to teach people how to become famous without doing a deal with the devil and breaking people's hearts. And I did it during COVID, not knowing it was, wasn't even meant to be as a business, to be honest. I was just hurt and I spoke. And if anyone watches my masterclass, this fame masterclass is called, you will see I'm not scripted. Um, I don't read a teleprompter. It's just straight from the soul and the heart. And I was speaking through pain. Mm. And a lot of people sometimes say to me, wow, you're, you know, you've got the biggest case studies in the world. You should be selling the dream. I said, no, I have to sell the pain first. Let me sell the pain first because I went through it. And now today, after that masterclass and after speaking to thousands, I'm talking thousands of people over the last few years about their journey to fame, that's why I can tell you if you are with someone that wants to be famous, unless you have, both of you have your cards on the table, you're gonna get hurt. So I'm sure, I'm sure people listening right now, um, and watching right now, and probably if we read the comments as they've got to this point, they're gonna be saying, you keep telling me about these steps, but you don't tell me what the steps are. Yeah, of course. Yeah. G- give me a rough idea of what these steps are that people have to go through. G- g- give me a kind of well, 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 let's, let's first start, right? You know, I always say to people, because there'll be people saying right now, I don't care. You know? yeah, I don't care why I'm going to No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the bad, which I have to, uh-huh. okay? Because you've got a very loyal audience. You've got people that trust you. So I can sell you the dream all day long. But I just also want to let you know there is 
certain things are going to happen in your life and I want to give you those red flags, mm-hmm. right? And then now, okay, now, okay, how do you want to become famous? Let's first, I always start with people, what's your X factor? What do you bring to the table? Let's start there. You know, you have a dream. I want to be famous for what? Let's break it down and narrow down what, okay, I want to be the f- most famous chef. I want the most famous real estate agent. I want to be an influencer. I want a model. I want to act. Let's, let's really understand, okay, here we are. Okay. Now, are you great at this? Because there's a million other people that could do this, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got to start building your profile, right? It doesn't matter how small you are. I tell people that fame, your fame journey starts to begin with Google. When you do one simple task and type your name right now, anyone who's listening right now or watching, am I successful or am I famous? My measurement is typing my name into Google and see what results come up. Right there, that's your first indication of where am I at in my life? Where am I at in my job? Where am I at in my career path, in my passion, whatever? Right there, there's your snapshot. Because your degree ain't gonna come up. Yeah. Your, your college stuff ain't gonna come up. Your PhD that you studied for the God knows how many years, that, none of that's coming up. Yeah. It's just the name, your name is coming up. If I click on the page, page one, what comes up? Is it even you? Are the images even you? Are the videos even you? <laughs> Are you, the news that they're talking about your name? You know what's running through my head as you say this is there's a hotel that's the same name as me <laughs> in New Zealand. Oh, is it? <laughs> called Spencer Lodge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they own my website, spencerlodge.com, which yeah. is what, what I can't get because they own it. Yeah. So that comes up. But, um, so, so and I know about the other stuff that comes up too. So. Right, right. So the thing so, is, so, so that's your first measurement, yeah. right? When you want to become famous. Google yourself. First, step one. Right. Then after that, are you, you know, if you are special at something, okay, now you, you, you're not like where you and me were back in the day with Caesar. This generation doesn't understand that. Mm -hmm. So now you have LinkedIn. Now you have threads, you have TikTok, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have YouTube, you have Snapchat, you have all of these now mediums to feed the beast to become famous. Okay. Are you going to create content that you said you had an X factor that you were great about on every single channel and be consistent on that content strategy that you're going to feed into each one of those social media channels? Okay, uh, let's start there. Let's not even move forward. Because that's that. overwhelming for a lot of people, isn't it? That's where people quit. Yeah. And that's where people say, well, I'm not becoming famous. I don't feel famous. And they're just like, everyone's in denial. But I, every star I've worked with is what I'm telling you today is I've told them step one, Google. Step two, content. Step three, consistency. Step four, let's break some news. Let's make some noise. Let's shock the world. Let's be some, add a bit of controversy. Let's controversy sells. It doesn't have to be a sex tape. Okay. There's, a lot, there's a lot of other things like that you could do. Tape, you could do a sex tape, but you know what? I don't encourage it. You know what I mean? I do it, I do it the, 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 the way without that. But whatever that oh, is. I you, you know, needed a sex tape. No, not oh, at all. No, ways. no, there's of course there is. You can, you can poke people. You can make fun of people. Look at Andrew Tate. Yeah. Andrew Tate didn't do a sex tape. He's one of the most famous people in the world. What and did Andrew he do? Andrew Tate's one of the most famous people in the world because he's Why? prepared to stand by his beliefs and, and, and say what and he thinks. And take the heat. And take the crap that goes And with take it. the heat. That's why he became famous. There's nothing special about Andrew Tate. He just speaks. He's loud. 
he's consistent and he doesn't fear negativity so if if you're willing because in order to become famous you have to be hated it's a fact say that again because i want everyone in, to understand that in order to be famous you have to accept to be hated without hate there is no fame remember that you will never become famous without hate and that's such an important charlie de mello was yeah. 16 years old yeah and one of the most famous people on tiktok that didn't even exist before covid and her fame was built on hate people hated her and that's what fueled her fame kardashians however much you love them boy is there a lot of hate on the kardashians that fuels the fame if you were just you know shiraz and spencer and just living a normal life and no one's cussing us out and no one's bitching us no one's like attacking us have a level of fame but unless you provoke people unless you go there with people and take them on and do certain things and it could be in your field like if you're creating content i told you if you're feeding the beast of social media but you're just like playing a little bit safe and you're not like poking and you're not like adding a bit of spice to your content or you're not going to call out a star or say something that creates some viral moments you're you're going to plateau you have to be able to go a li- that little bit louder. So you have to be controversial. But you don't have to be negative always. You just got to be loud, right? So it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, if you're the number one, let's I'll I'll talk real estate, okay? We're in Dubai right now. There are a lot of real estate agents, okay? Can you name me when there's billions of transactions happening every week where we stand right now? Billions. Name me five of the top real estate agents. You, you've chosen the wrong person because I train most of them. Well, well, okay, so. but, but guess what? I'm talking to your audience. They yeah. have no idea. They can't know. Okay? You would know. These are your clients. But the outside world, they have no idea who those, these agents are. Mm-hmm. Then, cause that, that, guess what that means now? That they are the top people selling the most real estate. Okay? And your audience out there who potential buyers have no idea. Mm-hmm. That means in order for them to be famous... they have to feed each channel mm-hmm. be consistent mm-hmm. create some a bit of news spice it up a little bit mm-hmm. become that trusted guy mm-hmm. that's going to show up every day mm-hmm. and give me another piece of content every single day while my competitor is not even on social media while this guy might not be as good or qualified or talented but because he's in the public eye he's now getting that level of fame which gives him the level of trust which he'll close the sale so Well, a good example is Ryan Sahant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, in America, he made himself famous, and and becoming famous means everybody knows a real estate broker in New York because yeah. his name is Ryan. And, and and guess what? He then becomes a trusted guy. Even if Bob is a better person than him, I don't know Bob. I know Ryan, mm-hmm. right? So, and it could be with a chef, it could be with an influencer, it could be, you know, you've got to be ready to put the work in. And and I look at fame as like a degree. Right? If you're studying to do a PhD, you've got to go show up, you've got to do the courses, you've got to do all that painful education and study and tests and so forth. Now you want to become famous, but you want to sit on your your ass and do nothing mm-hmm. and expect Spielberg to come knocking on your door and expect Netflix to give you a show, right? You expect to go viral. You want to become famous. You want to walk around the Dubai Mall and everyone recognizes you, but guess what? I I post any content. And I do I do I do one piece of video, a couple of videos a week. Threads was threads. Mhm. TikTok? Oh, I don't I don't I don't need a TikTok. So it, it, there that's why there are only a handful of people that will really become famous. 
and don't believe the numbers on social media, right? You, the, uh, f first of all, I'll even some of the biggest stars without calling out their names, 60 to 70% of their followings are not real, okay? They still have a big percentage that is real, but you look at the average person, and I teach it in my masterclass. I tell anybody, if you want to test anyone right now on social media, okay, all you have to do is ask them to go live, okay, and see how many people are going to interact with you at any given time, okay? So you've got people now who psychologically believe that they've got a lot of followers, that those followers are bots, but they believe they're famous. So they look at their phone and they think, I've got 10, 15, 20 million, or 10,000, 100,000, whatever number is, that many followers, which they know themselves they've bought, okay? Now you're believing those bots are real, which now has put a, a, a message in your brain that, oh my God, I'm actually famous. I've got a lot of people, but you're forgetting they're bots, mm -hmm. okay? Now you walk down the street and now you're not getting much engagement on your social media. Nobody knows you. No one has a clue. And by the way, let's Google their ass as well while we're at the same time. That same person who has 10, 15 million followers, even 100,000 followers. Oh, shit. I don't even exist there. So unless you're willing to put the work into this, and that's why I created the Fame Masterclass, because I wanted to tell people, yes, you all asked me about Kim Kardashian, Zendaya, Logan Paul, and all these other stars I've worked with. Where's your discipline right now? Let's see what you got. Oh, you don't have a website. Oh, right. Okay. So there's no news on you. You've got no, you're literally letting the world talk about you and you're not doing nothing about it. Uh -huh. Right? So you, it first starts there, right? You've got to first put yourself in the mindset that I'm going to take full control of my digital identity online because that's what my soulmate's going to see, my employer, my business associates, me trying to raise money, me trying to get a job, me trying to get more brand deals. What does that look like outside of your 20 million followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? So people need to look at this, and this goes for business owners as well. Your listeners who are business owners, people who are entrepreneurs, people who are getting jobs, your salary or your bank balance can significantly increase if you transform your online identity. It's very simple. If you are more famous online, on social media, it will reflect in your bank account because more people are gonna trust you, more people are gonna wanna do business with you. The problem is those people, now some people can be private, that's okay, right? Who don't, who don't want fame because there are a lot of rich people who don't want to be famous, that's fine. But generally, even if you are in business or if you have a product if you're going after a competitor, you know, if you're a nail salon, if you're a hair salon, that it, it still applies to that business, a small business owner, because people today are going to search for you. They're going to go on your social media, they're going to go on online, and if you haven't figured out that side of your business, you shouldn't be building your business. Mm -hmm. Because people say, and I, I'm a very against this belief system, build it and they will come. Unless you're in the Dubai mall, with the best location, they still don't come. Mm -hmm. How about that one? Best location in Dubai Mall, and you're still not getting customers in. Well, you're doing something wrong. Because mm -hmm. you've got the footfall there, you've got millions of people going into that mall, and you're not attracting the customer, that means there's something wrong.
okay? So location, 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 yes. But you also need to be creating FOMO for your brand. You've got to be creating that content that's going to engage with that customer. You're going to be consistently communicating to your, your fans or your people that you're trying to build a relationship to. And the problem is people don't have the discipline. They want to become famous. Well, I think from what you've told me as, as I listen through this is, yes, they don't have the discipline, but I think there's a large percentage of people that fear negativity, mm. fear hate, worry about what other people might think. Then, um, my friend, don't take the pill of fame. It's very simple. You have a choice. Live your normal life. Be happy. Be content. Yeah. Be very grateful that you what you have which is very blessing, by the way, because Kim Kardashian, the multi-billionaire, the most famous person in the world, the person who's making a small salary is more happier than Kim Kardashian, mm -hmm. okay? So sometimes you need to have some gratitude. You need to have some, you know what? I'm very blessed, actually, of where I am, and that's okay. But when you walk in and you sit down and you talk to Shiraz and Spencer and say, I want to be famous, then there are some rules that you've got to follow. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to follow them, and you're not willing to be hated, cast out, bashed, humiliated, then you're not gonna be famous. It's a See, fact. It's so interesting you say this because I went through this journey many years ago when, when, when the internet started. People started writing some negative shit about me online. Yeah. Yeah. And they wrote that negative shit uh, about me and it was like, oh my God, that's just, uh, why would people say that? Why would people be so mad? And somebody said to me one day, <coughs> look at the internet like a wall. But it's not just any wall, it's the wall that's the back of the door in a public toilet. Mm. Anyone can write anything mm. on that wall. Mm. They can get a pen and they can write anything. It doesn't mean it's right, it doesn't mean it's mm. true, but they can write anything. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. So don't worry about it. I come, I, business owners come to me to help them because their competitors are more in tune on the digital world and they're, they're more focused on making themselves branded and famous than other ones are. So they're, they're attacking their competitors. And how do you do it? If you know your competitor is not on social media, it's a no-brainer. If you know they're not managing their online identity, you can take out your competitor very quickly because mm. people are going to go and search. So, it's, so, so, it's, so just in summary, okay, first of all, let's make sure if you want to be famous, you've got to understand that you're going to get hate. No, you, no, 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 no. What are you famous about? Oh, when, sorry. You, when you walk into the door, what do you know? For? What do you bring to this table? Number one, what do you bring? If you're just bringing your sorry ass here that I want to be famous, can you please leave? What are you bringing? Give me something. Chef, real estate agent, insurance broker, model, act. I don't care. What is it that you really okay. want? Then why do you want it? Why do you really want this? Mm. Give me that why. I need to know that's going to be that fire that's going to take you and break you through. What's your why? Now I know what that is. Now let's build your strategy. Are you willing to, like you did in school, like you did in university, like you did in your job, are you willing to build your online presence? Uh -huh. So what people see and perceive of you is what you want. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to feed the beast of social media mm -hmm. on all single channels so you're going to take your talent and then push it through consistently? Are you willing to create a bit of, let's call it masala or controversy to spark off your content to go viral? 
okay? Are you willing to go reach out to brands and when brands see you, they go online, oh my God, I like this guy. He's got a consistent following. He's in the news, mm -hmm. he's in the media. That's how you, the, the money starts coming in, right? Okay, got it. Okay, let's move on. You and I are both working um, together with an organization and uh, it's the new sponsor for the podcast. So the Megaverse and Parlay are sponsoring the podcast. You're working with them. And a lot of people won't know much about this. And to me, I see it as the future, even though the present is pretty fast paced as it is. When we look at our traditions, because we're similar ages, we go back to the radio and the television and black and white to color TV and color TV then to, uh, to VHS and VHS onto DVDs and so on and so forth. We now live in a world where we, we literally don't need a TV in our living room anymore, and, mm. and often people aren't even looking at it when they're there because they're so, you know, their phones are their devices they use. From social media in the Web2 world, we now go into the metaverse, this new world, mm. this all-immersive world that uh, I think people like you and I don't spend much time in, but a lot of kids do mm. and younger people do because they live in that gaming world to some degree. What's excited you about it? So I can tell you right now what, what excites me first when I met the team uh, Megaverse, okay, was I'm always on the lookout, okay? Remember, when you're a celebrity media strategist and you've got in your phone from Kim Kardashian to Zendaya to Miley Cyrus to Justin, you've got a big people in your phone that you have influence to. I have to always give my clients, whether it's celebrities or influencers, the cutting edge next big thing. What is the next big thing? What is the evolution from someone saying that, oh, this is blockbusters and there's some company called Netflix mm -hmm. and no one believed in <coughs> Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's a taxi, a nice black cab in London and you have some weirdo saying, would you like to take an Uber? Okay. When you look at the evolution of all of these things from when we, you and I were listening to cassettes to now iPods to iTunes, right? This is inevitable. It's happening right now. The metaverse, Web3, this thing is real. We are just very advanced and the general population hasn't caught up. So what excited me was, is when, I, when I'm teaching people about fame, I also need to teach people about other layers of fame that's about to come, and fortunes, what other revenue will they be missing out on. And in Hollywood recently, there was uh, Travis Scott. He earned over $20 million in the metaverse for a nine-minute performance. Now, let me tell you what happened in Hollywood when people heard that story. They were in shock. Hold on a minute. This guy's in his bedroom. He didn't go on no world tour. And he was in the metaverse and made over $20 million for nine minutes work in his bedroom. Okay? That's when everyone woke up. How it works? They don't know. How do I get in? I don't know. But they know Travis Scott made $20 million in nine minutes, because that's real. So what excited me was that how can I use my platform and influence and educate Hollywood stars, educate influencers, and educate the masses of what's about to come next. 
and do it in a way that I would understand it also. There's a lot of, it's almost like a different language, right? Yeah. You know, and, and I, even myself, I mean, it's almost like it's a new dictionary that they just came out that's called Web3 that we're all meant to understand. <laughs> How? <laughs> they're, they're talking about terms that, that it's like didn't even exist a couple of years ago and they expect everyone else to know about it, right? Mm -hmm. So with, with yourself and myself, you know, we've, we've built a very long track record and, and, and trust and we've had access to, especially yourself, many rich people in your network. I have many famous people, you know, in my network. How can we dummy down this? And my goal now is to bring uh, experts in Web3 who can speak about the metaverse, about Web3, about crypto, NFTs and all of that to the average waitress when I go and order an omelette in a diner mm -hmm. and converse to her what is blockchain what is a wallet what is DeFi, what is crypto mm -hmm. what is bitcoin mm -hmm. and simplify it think apple how do i make this so simple through the fame masterclass to educate people about the megaverse because for me i know hollywood stars it's driving them nuts how travis I scott yeah. could make 20 million dollars sitting at home in nine minutes that's all you need to know now everyone's trying to do it they don't understand and i think megaverse um they've they've got a great team um they've got a they're way ahead of the curve i'm not gonna lie they're way ahead of the curve uh, and it, and it, and the the advantage is is when you're way ahead of the curve you're the first and when you're the first you're the one that everyone's hearts and minds remembering and for me it was exciting to work with Megaverse because of the ed educational aspect of this. Because I want to be able to become a media company that gives opportunities to celebrities and influencers who have power, who have reach, who have following, but they, they're not monetizing it. Mm. So there are other opportunities now that I can now perform. If I'm a recording artist, I could have a concert in the Megaverse with 500 million people show up on my concert. What venue on earth can hold 100 million people in my concert? Do you remember a time that happened before in your career when, when, when the social media started? I can tell you one very specific example. And it was example. just like this, this, this I step. had it with social media with Kim Kardashian, okay? okay? Uh, everyone in Hollywood, everyone in the entertainment business, e exactly what they're saying today. Oh, I don't believe in the metaverse. Oh, I don't believe in NFTs. Oh, I don't believe in crypto. I'm in meetings with Kim Kardashian and everyone's saying, I don't believe in social media. Why are you posting? Loser. You're stupid. You'll never make money. You're cheapening your life. People pay 10 bucks to watch celebrities. That's why there's celebrities in a movie theater. People have to watch TVs, get cable, get all of this stuff. And you're going to reality. Now you're, now you're showing your life for free and making zero dollars. And Hollywood was sleeping while Kim Kardashian, myself, Kris Jenner, Kylie Jenner, all the Kardashians at that time, we fed the beast of social media. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook back then. And Hollywood was bashing, just like they're bashing Web3 today. Right now, they're how they bash it. They were bashing social media today. Today, Kardashians are the richest people in Hollywood in the entertainment business. Just between Kylie and Kim, they outsmoke 
every Oscar, Grammy, Emmy, you name it, any artist, any studio is scratching their head right now of how in the hell are the Kardashians so rich, so famous, multi-billionaires, while you've got Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, all these A-listers in the world who didn't embrace social media, mm-hmm. who now, Zendaya, who's one of my clients, okay, who I worked with from the beginning of her career, who we insisted to embrace social media, replaced Jennifer Anderson as the brand ambassador of Smart Water because Jennifer Anderson didn't even have an Instagram account back then, and she only recently launched an Instagram account because she lost Smart Water. Okay, so she was in a panic because the, the, her brand deal was worth so much money and they're saying, well, you don't even have an Instagram. She did not want to open an Instagram. So as we come to the end of this conversation, it's been great talking to you, by the way. It's lovely to hear your story and learn about what you've done. You know, I, I, I went through the early part of the conversation, I think, going, I want to be famous. Just, man, I need to talk to this guy after the podcast. So I want to be famous. And then I was like, oh, do I want to be famous? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then I thought to myself, what do I actually bring to the table? So it's really interesting, my own personal kind yeah. of like uh, interpretation of what you've been yeah. saying. And, and what, why I speak the truth is because it's like anything, right? You're going to go into a job. You're going to do a degree. You're going to choose your life path. Fame has its life path. Mm-hmm. It has its rules. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting the results, it means you're not following the book, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I created a masterclass to teach people. This is this is the way I'm giving you. Do you, do you know that this is literally the fame masterclass is the blueprint of Kim Kardashian's career? Perfect. Okay. And everyone needs to sign up to that then. And we'll yeah, make sure yeah, the links yeah, are in the bios yeah. on this. Okay. Last question about, about your, your plans then. As you look forward, are you, are you focused on uh, getting as many of your celebrity clients like, really well educated on how the Megaverse works and so that they can find ways to create revenue in those spaces mm. too? Well, right now, just recently, we've, uh, we have a, our, our fame studios on the heart of the Sunset Strip. Our location is the number one influential place in Hollywood. If you are anyone, you're going in that location on the Sunset Strip. Every billboard, every from Chanel to Netflix to Apple to Disney, Elon Musk, Kylie, Kendall, Angie, Joni, everyone drives past there. We've now turning our fame offices into the Megaverse Studios, where we can educate talent, we can create content from the heart of the Sunset Strip. For me, it was very important to do this move because I wanted to educate Hollywood of what is the megaverse, what is the metaverse. And all the clients now are asking us, tell us more information. How is this going to work? They know it's there. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's so new. It's so different. And like I told you, there is a rules for fame. There's a rules for Web3. And if you don't, jump on that train whether you're a brand or whether you're a star your competitor is going to take you over Mm -hmm. because there are people who and i can tell you with my own experience that i have clients that some people of course show off on instagram some people that show off on social media with the cars and the houses but reality is we know that they don't have that i have clients in dubai who are not even in their early 20s and have made so much money in Web3, in the metaverse, NFTs and cryptos. And a few years ago, they were making no money. And because I do their media and I do their strategies for fame and stuff, it's real. It's just that they don't teach this in school. Mm -hmm. They don't exactly educate us about this new world that's called Web3. 
So for me, step one is going to be education mm -hmm. and step two, opportunity. Because then all of the talent and everyone in our network is going to say, can you please connect us with mm -hmm. this company and that company okay. and so forth, you know? And, and we're not just going to work with big stars. We're going to work with smaller stars because I'm a firm believer because I've worked with so many careers that started small and became big. So from micro-influencers to smaller talent, it doesn't matter even if you have 10,000, 50,000, 100, it doesn't matter. It's how can we educate the masses about Web3? And I think uh, what Megaverse is doing, they position themselves right now while everyone's running the other way, they're running towards the future. These are the same people that ran away from social media. Mm -hmm. And then it's just way too late. Now you've got someone who's won an Oscar, won a Grammy, who's so famous, and now they're just getting onto Instagram. Mm -hmm. Zendaya took the contract away from Jennifer Anderson because she had such a powerful reach on social media, and Jennifer Anderson didn't. It's very simple. You've been a successful guy, okay? You've had, you know, f from the early days of getting Caesar to do the, do the cafe, mm -hmm. to the, the success you've had. What does success mean to you? Can you just describe that in your own terms? I can tell you the thing that motivates me right now, being around and worked with some of the most richest billionaires in the world, to the most famous people in the world, success to me means peace. If you have a relationship that's full of love, honesty, loyalty, then you're successful. Shiraz, thank you so much for coming to join us today on the show. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks, brother.